Welcome everyone. Oh, we are here. We are ready to go. New Hope Radio. Thank you for joining me today. I'll tell you what. We have one of the most important topics that you could ever learn today here on New Hope Radio. Oh, yes, we do. You know, it stands to reason. It's salvation, right? I mean, come on. What's more important than salvation? That's something that goes on forever. It's eternal. If something's eternal, well, you know it's important. Wouldn't you say? I certainly would. Salvation being about the most important aspect of life that we need to know. It's interesting that it also is the most commonly misunderstood. You know that? Isn't that interesting? The most important aspect of life is that which many times is most commonly misunderstood. Huh. Whether it's through personal opinion, maybe misinterpretation of the scriptures, hey, could even be works of the devil. Salvation of the believer, it creates a very controversial area among Christians. Yeah, Paul addressed this in Galatians 1. He said, Even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached, let him be accursed. Wow. So as you can see, a proper understanding of the gospel, it is vital to the Christian and to God. That's why today we're going to talk about the doctrine of salvation and how it is, here it comes, inseparably connected with the doctrine of Christ. You can't separate the two. No, you can't. Like one man said, the worth of salvation, you know, it depends upon the worth of the Savior, right? The worth of salvation depends upon the work of the Savior. Now, just as the Passover lamb had to be without spot, without blemish back in the Old Testament in order to be accepted by God. So it was with the life and death of Christ. And you know, it's a mystery to me when so many Old Testament passages, they point to the perfect qualifications of Christ, the things that he had to fulfill in order to provide salvation. And yet, you know what happens many times in Christian circles? we tend to downplay his work and stress our work. Did you notice that? We downplay his work and stress our work. Oh, that's a misunderstanding of how salvation works. Our last time together, we noted the world. Oh, what a terrible condition it's in. Why? Because of the fall of man. Because of sin. Humanity has become corrupted in many ways. He's corrupted in his intellect, in his conscience, in his will, in his heart, his total person. He's depraved in his total person. But here it comes. In his grace, God did not leave us there. God didn't leave us there. And our time together today, we're going to note 
how the death of Christ, how it affected and what it did for each and every believer. I want you to understand today, it's not our work, but his work that brought us salvation. All right, let's note some things that Jesus did. First of all, his death was a substitute for sinners. We find that in Matthew chapter 20, in verse 28, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Okay? Now, the word ransom, the root word means a releasing. So, a word that's commonly used for the price paid for a slave, and then he's set free. Think of what Jesus did for us. He, set a, he, he bought us out of the slave market of sin, and then he set us free. He gave his life for our life, and then he gave us freedom. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. Now, the word behalf is the word hooper. It has two meanings in the New Testament. It means in place of, and it also means for the benefit of. So he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And we're going to see what that means. Peter agreed. Christ also died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust. Why? So he could bring us to God. Having put to death in the flesh, but we were made alive in the spirit. When you see Jesus dying for the sins of the world, you know what you see? The just for the unjust. Him for us. So to drive the point home, the word hooper it's used as a word which means substitution. Not in the sense of the atonement, but in a different understanding. Like when Paul said to Philemon regarding Onesimus. Remember that story? The runaway slave? Onesimus ran away from his master, Philemon. He went all the way to Rome. He found the apostle Paul. He got saved. Now Paul's going to send him back to his master with a letter. And he said, I've sent him back to you in person. That is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me. He wanted to keep Philemon with him because Philemon was such a beautiful conversion. But he said, no, I'm going to send him back to you. That on your behalf, he might minister to me in my imprisonment of the gospel. In other words, as your substitute. See, he saw Philemon as actually a representative. He saw Onesimus as a representative of Philemon. He saw the runaway slave as a representative of his master. So what is Paul saying now? That Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, was a representative of each and every one of us. He was the just, and he represented the unjust. He was our substitute. He took our place. So I believe the main thrust of the word is the fact that 
He's our replacement as those that would come under the wrath of God for sin. God was going to send forth his wrath, and Christ stepped up, and he intercepted it. He took it on our behalf. See, that's why you can't substitute what you do for what Christ did. There's nothing we can do that can even come close to equaling what Jesus did for us. So, number one, the death of Christ was a substitute for sinners. Number two, it provided redemption from sin. And again, some of this might sound basic to you, but let me tell you, there are people, like I said, they elevate what we do over what Christ has done. You can't do that. You can't elevate what you've done over what Christ has done. It's impossible. So his death provided a a redemption from sin. Peter said, yeah, false prophets arose among the people. There'll always be false teachers and prophets among you. And they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Here it comes. Even denying the master who bought them. Even denying the master who bought them. The word bought is the word agorazo. It means to buy in the marketplace. Right? You go to the grocery store. You get your groceries. When you go to the register, you agorazo. You purchase them. And you take them home. Well, this word was used for the purchase of slaves in the market. First meaning to go in the market and buy. Second meaning to bring out of the market. Okay? You're buying in, you're bringing out. To go in, to buy out. So think of Jesus' death like that. It not only paid the price, the price for sin, but it removed us from the marketplace of sin. See, well, what does that mean? This removal assures us that we'll never, I like that part, we'll never be returned to the bondage and the penalties of sin. Remember when Jesus said, it is finished in John 19.30? He wasn't kidding. It's finished. Those that put their faith in Christ are set free. Free. You're free from the penalty of sin. And you're free from the power of sin. Say, well, why do I keep falling into sin? Because you're carnal, that's why. Why am I carnal? Because you feed your flesh. You don't feed your spirit. You feed your flesh. Feed your spirit and you won't fall into sin. Feed your flesh, you're going to fall into the pit every time. But see, the point is, you don't have to. You're not a slave to sin. You're free. So the first meaning, to buy into the marketplace. The second meaning, to bring out of the marketplace. Third meaning, to be loosed, to be set free. That's what salvation does. It sets us free to live a life outside of the power of sin. It doesn't just remove the guilt and remove the wrath. It sets us free. Paul said to Titus in Titus 2.14, that Christ who gave himself for us so he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession. Here it comes, zealous for good works. Let me ask you, are you zealous? Are you zealous today? Are you like fired up to live for God? You know, that's another aspect of your salvation. 
when you truly understand salvation, oh, it fires you up. And you want to live for him. You really do. How do I know if I, if I understand salvation? Because I want to live for God. I'm zealous for good deeds. We're free from doing bad, and we're free to do good. The third benefit, the third thing Christ provides in saving mankind, it brought reconciliation. I say, well, what's reconciliation? That's big. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was in Christ reconciling, wow, the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Well, Janine just chimed in. I'm glad somebody's listening. And she said, absolutely. That's true. Absolutely, Janine. So what did, what did Christ do? He, he wiped away our trespasses, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? That believers now proclaim the word of reconciliation to those that are lost. It's basically preaching the gospel. That we've been reconciled back to God, and now we take that message and we try to reconcile others back to God that are lost. That's what we do. See, that's the basis for true joy. You want to have joy? Man, this is where it is. Paul said, not only this, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we've received the reconciliation. Does that make you happy? Are you happy to be restored back to God? You know, the word reconcile, it means to mend a broken bone. So it has to do with a broken relationship. That Christ, through the work of salvation, has mended a broken relationship between man and God. And he's done it for those who believe. Do you have a broken bone? It limits you, doesn't it? It hurts and it limits your ability to do something, whether it's a broken hand, a broken foot, a broken arm, a broken leg. You're very limited. But when that bone is reconciled and put back together and healed, now you're free again. Well, Christ has done that with our relationship with God. Before recon reconciliation, we're very limited. As a matter of fact, it was non-existent. But once we've been reconciled back, oh, we are free to live. Here it comes with God and for God. I like that. We can live with God and for God. Let me ask you, are you living with God? Are you living for God? That's the outcome of reconciliation. You know what else it does? Provides, oh, it's a big word, propitiation. Say, what's that mean? It simply means to appease or to satisfy. That the death of Christ satisfies the justice of God. You would ask the question, why would God need to be appeased? After all, he's got the cattle on a thousand hills, doesn't he? Doesn't he own everything? What does the Bible say? God says, every beast of the field is mine. 
the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. Oh, Janine's got it right. Oh, yes, he loves us unconditionally. He forgives us. He forgives us to be saved, and then he forgives us when we turn to him and when we repent. So you see, God must be appeased. He must be satisfied in his justice. Why? Because sin has violated his creation. God made a beautiful creation. He loves his creation. After he made everything, the Bible says he rested, and he said, oh, this is all good. And then sin came in. Muddy the whole thing up. So now he needs to be appeased. John 3.36 He who believes in the Son, S-O-N, has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God abides on him. See, that doesn't have to happen to anybody because Christ took the wrath for those who believe. You just have to believe. And the wrath is transferred from you to Christ. And once we're reconciled back to God, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So it's never going to happen. We're never going to be recipients in the wrath of God. That's another reason we're not going through the tribulation. Ain't going through, because that's the time of God's wrath. Christ's death averted God's wrath from us to himself, enabling God to receive into his family. Oh, wow, into his family. Those who place their faith in the one who satisfied him. Man, there it is. Jesus came. He did the work to satisfy the Father. And when you accept that, God brings you into his family as well. John gives us the extent of this work. He says Christ is a propitiation for our sins, not ours only, for those of the whole world. That means anybody can be included. Jesus died for everybody. No one's left out. See, we're not living to try to satisfy God in our own strength. He's already appeased through Christ. So we don't need to do the work to satisfy God. He is satisfied. Let me give you one more point today because you see the salvation of man, oh, as important as it is, it's very misunderstood by many people. It's too bad. It's too bad that there are people that are saved today and yet they don't enjoy their salvation because they really think they have to continue to do the work to keep themselves saved. Oh, that's so far from the truth. God does it and God maintains it. Can you remember that? God does it. He brings the salvation and he maintains it. He maintains the salvation. Say, how does he do that? Through the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We're sealed. We're mocked out 
as belonging to God until our body, soul, and spirit arrive in heaven. Let me give you this final point today. The reigning power of sin has been made inoperative in us. Like I said, yeah, we all fall into sin at times, but it's because of our choosing. It's not because we have no choice. Every sin is a choice. Remember that. Every sin is a choice. Paul said in Romans 6, 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? For he who has died is free from sin. There it is. Free from the power of sin. Nasty sin. Always powerful, but not on the Christian. So then, brethren, we are under, under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You see that? We're not obligated to live to the flesh. You don't have to do that. We do it because we choose to. So for the Christian, the sin nature, it's like a tyrant who's been overthrown by the death of Christ. He doesn't control anymore. The believer is now free to live a life that's pleasing to God. You can do it. You can do it. Margaret said, because of Jesus, our guilt is gone. And we rely on him for our salvation. See, there it is. This is the simple understanding of the work of Christ. We don't have to complicate it. It's not complicated. Remember that life insurance commercial? It's not complicated. It's life insurance. This is exactly it. It's not complicated. It's life insurance. It's eternal life insurance. You have insurance for eternal life through the birth, through the death of Christ. So, what did Christ's death do for us? Number one, it was a substitute for sinners. He substituted himself, himself in our place. It's like God shot an arrow of judgment. And Jesus stood up and he intercepted it. And he took that arrow so we wouldn't have to. Number two, it provided redemption from that slave market of sin. You know, that slave market where you have no will and no choice. You have none. We're bought out of it. We're bought out of that market. Thirdly, the death of Christ, it reconciles us back to God. You know how many people don't realize? Oh, they probably pray and they go to church, and yet they don't have a, recon a, a relationship with God. They don't. Why? Because they haven't made Christ their Savior. They think being in a certain religion or a denomination or just being A-OK -okay is good enough. Not according to the scripture. As Doreen just chimed in, Jesus paid it all. He, only Christ can make the payment that God demands. We can't do it. We don't have it. You could hit the lottery every day for a week. You'll never have enough to pay for your sins. So we're reconciled back to God through Christ's death. 
The relationship has been mended because of faith. Fourthly, his death satisfied the wrath of God. God is happy. (laughs) Oh, man, nothing better than a happy God. You know that? His justice has been appeased. Now that his justice has been appeased, again, he can have a relationship with us. You know, if someone smashes your car, you're not too happy with them. But when they pay for the damage they've done, you're like, oh, okay. I'm satisfied now. Well, that's what God, God is satisfied. Not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did for us. And then lastly, you know what Jesus did for us also? He overthrew the power of the sin nature. Oh, that mean, ugly, nasty sin nature. He rendered it less powerful. And you know what he gave you? A Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit, it's your dunamis, your dynamite. It's the power to live the Christian life. Here's the key. you got to feed that spirit. You know, you can't read Marvel comic books all day and think you're going to feed your spirit. you got to read the Word of God. Nothing against reading Marvel comic books. You can read them. But that doesn't feed your spirit. Your, fear, your spirit is fed on the things of God. So the Word of God, that's what you need. And you know what? Wonder, I love, you know what feeds my spirit? Worship music. Not Christian music, worship music. Music that edifies God, that lifts up God, that talks about who He is and what He's done, His attributes, His qualities, theology. Songs that sing about the theology of God. These are the things that feed the Spirit. So think about that. You can enjoy a wonderful life on earth. All you have to do is recognize what the Lord Jesus has done for you. Sadness comes from not recognizing what he did. Joy comes when you realize what he did. Margaret said, other doctrines on salvation leave Jesus' death out. They're not truth. That's right. It's all about Christ. Janine loves worship music. So do I. Hey, we're going to come back next time, and we're going to see more benefits from Christ's death. I'll tell you what. The benefits that Christ... If these things don't make you fall in love with Jesus more and more, nothing will. Nothing will. So that's why tune in tomorrow. Get a friend to listen. Like and share this broadcast here online. Like and share it. Get a friend to listen. You know why? Because you love them and you want them to know the truth. That's it for today. I will see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.